Tune in every week during the same time to the Jarvis Bowman Radio Show on Apple Music and WDRB Media, the voice of the community.
America is essentially a dream. It is a dream of a land where men of all races, of all nationalities, and of all creeds can live together as brothers. The substance of the dream is expressed in these profound words. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. One of the first things we notice in this dream is its amazing universalism. It does not say some men, but it says all men. It doesn't say some, it doesn't say all white men, but it says all men, which includes black men. doesn't say all Gentiles, but it says all men, which includes Jews. It doesn't say all Protestants, but it says all men, which includes Catholics. That is something else that we notice in this dream, which is one of the the things that distinguishes democracy in our form of government with other totalitarian systems. It says that there are certain basic rights that are neither conferred by nor derived from the state. In order to discover where they came from, it is necessary to move back behind the dim mist of eternity. They are God-given. Very seldom, very seldom, if ever in the history of the world, has a socio-political document expressed in such profound, eloquent, and unequivocal language the dignity and the worth of human personality. For the American dream reminds us that every man is the heir of a legacy of dignity. And yet ever since the founding fathers of our nation dreamed this dream, America has been, to use a big word that the psychologists and the psychiatrists use, a schizophrenic personality, tragically defined. On the one hand, she has proudly professed the noble principles of democracy, and on the other hand, she has proudly practiced, or she has sadly practiced, the very opposite of those principles. Indeed, slavery and segregation have always been strange paradoxes in a nation founded on the principle that all men are created equal.
gonna bring you out the, out the darkness. Sweet King Martin, sweet Queen Coretta, sweet Brother Malcolm, sweet Queen Betty, sweet Mother Mary, sweet Father Joseph, sweet Jesus. We made it in America. No fashion show, motherfucker. We live in Martin, sweet Queen Coretta, sweet Brother Malcolm, sweet Queen Betty, sweet Mother Mary, sweet Father Joseph, sweet Jesus. We made it in America.
sweet baby Jesus. You guys ready for better hair texture and a plant-based formula that would keep your hair and hairstyles always in tiktok shape well log on over to proteinessentials.com and click the link to have yours shipped today protein luxury hair care for men
They done gave me a radio show. I'm worldwide. Tune in every week during the same time to the Jarvis Bowman Radio Show on Apple Music and WDRB Media, the voice of the community. And we're back at the Jarvis Bowman Show. And today we got none other than the two-time Super Bowl player, one-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowl, New Orleans Saints, Hall of Famer, my boy, Roman Harper. Harper, are you there? I'm here, dog. How you been, J-Bo? Law. Living the dream. Obviously. You got your shoulders on. pretty inside. Little Roman saying, what's up to you? You can wave, Roman. What up, little Roman? What's good, boy? He's just sitting over here, man. Over there looking like He's your daddy his... and your mama at the same time. Mostly his mama, but he he loves to hang out with his dad nowadays. So that's like his thing. It's like anytime he gets home from school, he's like, Dad, when we playing, when we wrestling, when we're trying to fight. So uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to balance that time, man, it, it's uh, it's tough, but it's good. Look, dad, mommy, you know, you know, that's definitely Coach Harper's grandson. <laughs> yeah, he said you're Coach Harper's grandson, which is pop. Look, he'll yeah, get look, he'll get it later. When he has to get when he has to get three jobs, then come home and wreck the yard. He'll get it there. <laughs> I've been I've been I've been I've been raking leaves all day. That's what I'm saying. I've been cleaning up outside. I've been outside for like three or four hours today. That's what I do. So whenever I'm done working with on the TV. I come home and I'm like back to work. What's next? So except when your dad's in town, right? Right. When my dad's here, he does it. He's the one that's yeah. He does a lot of it, but I'm still out there. Like I'm not gonna let him just like do my yard. I, I take a lot of pride and joy, and uh, and doing my own yard work. Everybody in my neighborhood mostly pays somebody to do. But I'm I, on the phone. I feel like uh, the way you did your yard, you kind of cheated. Because you got all this concrete and this landscaping, you know, where lawnmowers don't have to go. I I, I peeped that law. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was. Hey, look, man. I mean, all only type of grass I need. I say, look. And the funny thing I say, look, all the only grass I need is enough for like a five and a ten yard out, so I can teach my kids the basis of football: five yard out, five yard in, and three yard slant. Like I don't need like 30, 40 yards. I don't need all that. Enough for the basic drills, huh? Put a little cones out. That's it. That's it. <laughs> How brilliant. And the crazy part about it is I actually believe that that was your philosophy because just like you was raised, uh, um, little do people know your dad was also in the NFL during his days. And um, yes. you was basically groomed from day one to be prepared for NFL. A lot of people don't know that. Well, it's crazy because it wasn't my dad. It was my oldest brother, Brian, that was always the one trying to talk about putting the ball in our hands, out in the yard playing all the time. My dad really, he didn't do that much about it. My dad never talked about himself, never really talked about him having a career or anything like that. I didn't know all that stuff till I was much, much older. Are you serious? Uh, was when I found out. Yeah, yeah. I never knew my dad played in the NFL until I was much, much older. And then once I got to that point, like how, like how old? Talk about it a little bit. How old were you? Um, put a, put an age on it. Probably, probably high school. Are you lying? Are you lying? I'm not lying. And and I didn't even know his number was forty one until I got in college. You so, lie. Oh uh, no, I'm not lying. I, I got to college. They gave me number forty one. I called my mom after two or three days because you know 
back then you had to have a calling card. You didn't have no cell phone. So, um, you know, I get home, I call my mom. They had just cut my hair fresh from haze and stuff. So I'm sitting there with a bald head. Hey, hey, you guys out. Look over here, Jarvis. I got these two bad boys. <laughs> Y'all over here. I'm on, a, I'm on a call. I'll call. I'll be right back in the So, you know, I, I'm um, so you know, I get there and I, I'm calling my mom. I'm kind of upset because I got a bald head and I got a 41 as a number. And you know, in high school, everybody wants a low number. You know, right? It's, it, that's, that, that was my next question. I'm like, in yeah. high school, I'm like number five. You was what number what? Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. And that was still, to us. That was high back then. It was high. So when you, high. when you put on 41, I was like, what is Law doing? No, <laughs> like, was, like, was that a punishment? Did they say, I, no, you, I, no, I you can't like have 15. You got to get up there. You got to have 41. I felt, I felt like it was a punishment, actually, uh, when I got there, just because they were like, here, freshman, you just take a number. Right. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have the worst number out of all the freshmen around me. So I was like, all right, 41 is what it is. It's terrible. It looks ugly. And then when I called my mom, dude, after being on campus for like two or three days, I told her I was number 41 and like they had cut my, and like talking to her and she started laughing. And I was just like, mom, like, I don't think this is a laughing matter. It's not like funny. And I was like, like, I'm trying to open up to you. And like, and she's laughing at me. It's like, no, nah, baby, I'm not laughing at you. It's just that. It's just real funny. I'm like, what's so funny? Because our thing like, was always since junior high school. It was like get the low number. Not e- not even get since the junior low high. I, even At, when first of all, third, I, fourth grade. Yes, I, wanted, I had I had six in junior high. Like I had right. six. Like, I'm not, I was bro, nine. I, digit. I was well. Yes. I was nine first, and I was five because Michael Cox yeah, had the and five. And I wanted first. I wanted single digits. That was what I wanted. So I didn't get it anyways. So I tell my mom I'm 41 and she laughs and then, and she was like, what's so, I told her, I asked what's so funny. And she's like, well, that was your dad's number. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, your dad wore number 41. Oh, are you serious? You see, I didn't know that until yeah. today's years old. So, I wow. mean, how you think I feel? I was 18, 19 and I just found out. So I was just like, I mean. So you, uh, I you, mean, you didn't weird. find out that your dad was in NFL until you was in high school. You didn't yes. find out your dad wore 41 until you was in college. Correct. Low. And so, wow. I, I know, I know. But my dad's real humble. You know, he'll never talk about himself. So, so then from there, I was just like, all right, well, maybe it's a sign. I, I guess I'll keep it a year. And if I don't like it, I'll change it. And um, I never changed. I literally kept it. And, and then as soon as I got it, to New Orleans, yeah, as soon as I got to New Orleans, <laughs> they were like, hey, you, we got 41 if you want it. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. And I got to Carolina. <laughs> and they were like, hey, we got 41 if you want it. It became legendary. Yeah. Like 40. Now I can't imagine you without it. And now it's like, it's all cool because my daughter, my daughter picked out number 41 for her basketball team. So wow. now it's became like a, a, fa- a family number. Right. And they don't even know why. It's almost it started, like 41 uh, is, is like that spells Roman Harper. Yeah, it's one of those weird things, though. And Lyle, check it out too. When you first left the Saints and went to the Panthers, uh, now the, the, the safety that came behind you with the Saints, he started wearing 41. But for him, I think it was more in like a um, tribute to you or, you know, out of matter of respect and everything. And But I ain't going to lie to you. I kind of was like a little salty. Like, why he get to wear Roman jersey so quick? You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people felt like that. You know, so the 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 year directly after me, my equipment guys, they did me a favor. They gave it to a, they gave it to a fullback. So they were like, we weren't going to let nobody on defense get it at first. Yeah, I didn't and even see it got then. got a fullback. Yeah, yeah, because he, he wasn't playing fullback. 
So, you know, and then, you know, they let him rock it for a little bit. And then they actually gave it to another DB. And then I re-signed back. And then Sean Payton just took it from him. was like, nah, bro. Like, if Roman's here, he's wearing 41. Like, I'm not looking at nobody else. <laughs> so Sean just gave me my number back. He's like, bro, he don't need it. You fine. He's a, he's an undrafted guy. You can have a number. Right. Like, so, right cool, and you so. went back for your farewell season. And I almost yes, feel like I um you I feel like you did you pulled well I ain't gonna say you pulled a Dwayne Wade because you did it first. It's like you went back to the Saints, and to me it was like you was just oh you you was damn near a coach. You was on the sideline, but you had already made your mark. You was on payroll, so for you, you coach Hopper's son, you're gonna get that check. And I feel like for you, it was like your farewell bye. You knew you was headed out. That's that's what that's what that was how I look at it. Well, you're hundred percent correct. So after my 10th season, I was ready to retire, but we lost in the Super Bowl. So I was ready to win a Super Bowl right off the sunset, retire, be good. Because with, I, I, my goal was to with play. With the Panthers. You're I talking really about when you went to the Panthers, right. your second Super Bowl. Right, would, right. It would have been your second Super Bowl. It, w- it was, uh, but we lost. And I just didn't think God, like, I, football has been such a vital part of my life since a young man and a young boy. And uh, I didn't feel like God was letting me go out on a Super Bowl loss. I'm like, dude, I've been playing ball this long, and this is going to be it. And so I stayed in shape a little bit, and then the Saints came calling. So I actually ended up going back, let a, let a lot of bygones be bygones. You know, when I left two years prior, it, we were not on good terms. But when I came back, man, it was great. And the funny thing is, Jarvis, you're right. I'd be sitting on the sidelines. I mean, after the games. I'd be sitting, there, you know, sitting in the locker room. I'd drink a beer with the equipment staff. You know what I'm saying? Just, like, talking about the game while we lost. And I, like, a coach would come in. I'd cheers with the coach, drink a beer with the coach. He was I'm a like, real veteran. I know, yeah, I know more coaches and the staff than I do the players. And tell me this, That's too, though. I was at. But you, but my, you came, right, and you came back, at, like you said, after being traded. Now you all, you coming back with a different mindset. So it, I, right. think you came, you, I think you kind of came back in boss mode. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I don't know about boss mode, but it is a certain power or, you know, a power dynamic when, you know, you've made enough money where their money doesn't make you. Like, you can't tell me who I am or try and tell me what kind of player I am because I know who I am as a player. I know who I am as a father. I know who I am as a person. And so whatever the amount of money you're going to pay me, which wasn't a ton, but at the time, I was secure enough in who I was and monetarily where your money's not going to make me. So, I mean, I could walk out of here tomorrow and be just fine because I'm not keeping track of my tackles anymore. I'm not caring about going to a Pro Bowl. It was for me, I was going back to do something, kind of like complete my whole circle in life and in my career and make sure that a Super Bowl loss wasn't my last game action. So mm-hmm. uh, I'd already done all those things. So for me, I was cool, and uh, it was good to have my, my family come back. It was good to all of a sudden, you know, my last year I was playing, but, uh, you know, to have my parents and my wife and my kids go on the field and be ce- celebrated with all of the, you know, the top 50, the top players in the 50 years. I think it was top 50 players in Saints organization history uh, through the 50 years that they had been around. So uh, to be a part of that was really cool, and, for my parents and my wife to all be able to go on the field and for them to get raised, that raised their hand with some of the older people and me being one of the, one of two of the only like still, well, no, Drew was on there too. So it was three of us that were actually still playing who were honored with that group. So it was really cool to kind of see that. Love. If I've never told you before, 
this is my official saying of, bro, I'm so proud of you. I'm <laughs> proud you, of you. But I think I've told you that plenty of times, though, right? You have. I mean, <laughs> every time we hang out or something, I, I usually do something. You're like, man, law, I'm just proud of you. <laughs> I'm just always up to something. I don't ever really talk about that. So you know how it is. Exactly. And, and that's another thing. You have to remind the people sometimes when you're around them. And, and you mostly, I think you're so humble that um, it's like, you, you'll tell me, like, oh, you know, I don't want to buy, you know, no new Escalade yet. I'm good in this. I don't want to get rid of the Infinity. I don't want to. It's like you are so frugal with your life, you know, to, uh, to a fault. You keep, you, keep, you keep talking about my uh, my Infinity, <laughs> which you know I'm not going to get rid of. So Please, love. Because you, love. I mean, give it away to, look, to the next I, person you see I, who, who need wheels on the corner, on the street corner. I, I love my <laughs> It ain't going nowhere. You know that. It's just like, now nah, I'm good. I know. Don't, I know te- don't tell me about that Mustang you I, want. Tell me about that Mustang you I, might get. The retro Mustang, right? Well, yeah. I got to get it here, bro. I got it. I just got some pictures the other day. I had to redo a little bit of the paint job on it. But, I mean, it's coming. When that comes, wow. for sure, I'll, it'll be gone by then. But, look, man, right now, bro, I'm, I'm still, it's still I kicking, love, bro. Love, I just love. bought my wife a car. Uh, so she gave me her old car. I don't drive it that much though, but you know how you know how it is. You know how I am. Her car, her old car. We to my new Escalades and new electric Benzes. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, first world problems, law. First world problems. <laughs> Rich in p- problems. <laughs> Sometimes. But, but look, so I mean, like I said, thank you for taking the time out to even you know come in to bless the show, law. And um, even you've inspired me in ways of like how you even have your studio in your man cave. And, you know, I call it the studio because I, I yeah, walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> so how is that now not even having to leave home to work and everything? Now that you're an analyst, you're on the SEC network and uh-huh. then you appear everything with NFL, you're on Tim Tebow's show and, you know, et cetera. Well, I, it's not Tim Tebow. But I'm on with uh, Charles Tillman. Okay. Uh, but- with the NFL, NFL, I'm doing that with him. We do a podcast, uh, NFL Player Second Acts podcast, which we talk to different guys who uh, play in the NFL, and now they're on doing their different things. And so everybody has their own transition period, and we all have had our struggles, and, and everybody has to find, kind of find their way because for so long football just paved the way for everything for us. And then at some point in time, everybody gets told to take your ball and go home. So mm. um, that is a, a really cool deal listen to everybody's journey, however it may end, but we all are kind of walking that life. And uh, so it's really good uh, kind of bouncing each other's uh, ideas and life off of each other and pouring into each other. Um, with the SEC Network specifically, it's really cool because that's really when I mostly use my quote-unquote studio. And because, um, you know, ESPN, they give you a whole, you know, they give you an iPad, they set you up, they got, you know, they came over here, they did it all in and and then I, I do some other stuff in there in my man room. So, bro, it's a whole vibe up there. You know, I got it. My wife kind of helped me decorate it. And I got all my, my Alabama stuff. I got my Saints stuff. I got Carolina stuff in there. It's a whole vibe. So, I mean, you get in there and you like to go in there and be creative. I just kind of like watching TV and play pool. But, you know what I mean? It's a space that's for everybody. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely – I just appreciate you coming in there and using it. Indeed, Law. I appreciate you for allowing me to use it. But before we go... Maybe you I, record an episode there. You know what I mean? Maybe you can record an episode or something. Who knows? I'm going to hold you to that. 
<laughs> Before I let you go, Law, I want to talk about this um, this viral story right now um, about Damar Hamlin. You know the um, Buffalo Bills star who you know pretty much had the incident on field where he was out until um, you know until after the game, of course. And but the big the the, the initial. Part of the story was the fact of how they really tried to keep playing. Now, before I, I want to, uh, before we go into that, I'm going to let you talk to my analyst, um, who's go, who really wants to talk to you about that. But, um, but what's your take for me before I pass it over? Before before I pass the call over, you've been a vet in the game, and you've been um, you covering this every week with the um, college football and everything on the SEC network, the stuff you're doing with ESPN, like as a player yourself, thinking like I could have been in that position, like how does that make you feel as a player who knows how that, you know, what help he could have uh, needed or your perspective on it? Okay, so first of all, it was a random act of just like madness. It's a severe rarity. Nobody, the thing about it is a football player you know, we get used to seeing injuries all the time. And when people get hurt at practice, they just move the drill up 10 yards and they keep going, right? So our mindset's always just to keep playing no matter what happens. And so that's initial mindset. And with DeMar, it was this crazy freak accident where your heart is pumping and as it pumps and then it's come down, you take a, a trauma or a blunt force to your chest, clavicle, or to your heart, and it shuts it off, electrically shuts it off, and then you go into cardiac arrest. Now, this is a rarity. This hardly ever happens. It's the first time that's been happening in the NFL. This is the first time it's ever been it's ever happened before. This has happened in other sports multiple times. Uh, and according to some of the doctors in New Orleans that I had spoken to, or my friends have spoken to since then, since Demar's injury, was that this this kills three or four baseball players a year because they take a fly ball off the chest something randomly happens, and then nobody's there to revive them. So with DeMar's case, it's uh, it, it's really unique. And so we're talking about wanting to continue to play because so often right now in today's times, especially in the sports world, you know, when bad things happen or something crazy happens, we want somebody's head on a pipe. Like we're ready for somebody to go, right? So who's to blame? And it's got to be the NFL because they're saying that they wanted guys to play. Now, I've talked to one of my former teammates who works for the league now. And so the hardest conversations that they have every year with Troy Vincent and everybody else's protocols. All right. Active shooter in the game. What is the protocol? If a referee or a player dies on the field, what is the protocol? If this happens, what is the protocol? So when DeMar, I'm telling you verbatim what happened. So DeMar gets hit in his chest. He stands up and then goes down, right? So as the referees are seeing, as the referees are saying this law, they say that, oh, Damar or whatever, come on, man, player number three, get up. They thought he was faking. They actually thought that he was flopping. Yeah, because he stood up and then went down. They didn't see anybody hit him or anything. They were like, oh, man, he's flopping. Then they look at him like, oh, no, this is very serious. They call, the, they call the, the trainers and stuff over. The trainers go to work. They see that he is not responsive. So now they bring out the defibrillator. 
And so I can tell you a little bit more detail, and that's for some of the players on the field. So players are used to seeing guys down. But when you see a defibrillator come out and you see DeMar Hamlin, who was bleeding from his nose and bleeding from his mouth because he had he had bit to his tongue, because I think a little bit of a seizure had happened, guys start panicking. We're not used to seeing things like that. So if they would have known that it was a life or death situation, they would have pulled the players from the field because that's protocol. But they didn't know that. They were treating it as a normal injury. And then it got very severe very fast. Also, the other thing that the NFL has probably learned, uh, being hindsight, being 2020, is that you got to control the media aspect of it too because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did about as best as they could with not knowing anything going on. And so when the media and the TV is saying on national TV, Monday night game, biggest game on, and everybody's watching – and you got this going on, and they're talking about, well, guys are going to warm back up. Maybe they're going to play in five minutes, this, that, and the other. It's just not a good look. So going back full circle to kind of tell that the whole deal is the NFL has to do better communication-wise. The media people that are covering the game have to do a little bit better, and that especially on primetime Monday night games when something this tragic happens, you got to be more prepared. And uh, people tweeting out afterwards and trying to find a, a, you know, trying to find a villain to, a villain to blame, it, it's not going to help. You know, everybody rallied behind DeMar in, in becoming, getting back healthy. Everybody was just encouraging, encouraging him to continue to try and fight for his life. He's doing better than that now. He's doing astronomically better. He's breathing on his own. He's, he's back at home. He's out of the hospital. He's working on his own recovery phase. And look, man, I'll be flat out honest with you. I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play next year. So, um, and we will truly, truly celebrate him. And I got to give Buffalo, Brandon Bean, Coach Sean McDermott, a lot of credit because they celebrated the trainers. So this last weekend, instead of calling out the offensive, defensive starters, they called out the, the training staff. That's who they celebrated early because they saved that man's life just a week ago. And then next, you know, the opening kickoff, Buffalo returns it back for a touchdown. I get emotional just talking about it. It's a special thing, man, that just lets you know it's a higher power in this world. It's always got his hand in something. And so uh, different times and fastness, he'll show you how powerful he is. And last Sunday in Buffalo was one of those moments. Wow. Folks, you've heard it first, live and direct from the Roman Harper himself. So that's your official take on the DeMar Hamlin story. And Roman Harper, thank you so much. My brother. Hey, man. Appreciate you for having me, Law. Um, anytime. Uh, continue to do your, your thing, bro. Proud of you, man. And uh, keep doing it, bro. Thank keep representing the 334. Indeed. Indeed. And, Law, before I go, like I tell all my other people, it's I end my show. Hey, Ro, it's up. All right, Law. Talk to you later. All right, bro. Bye. <laughs>
off, taking my coat off. Showing my tattoos, I'm such a show off. Huh. I feel the pain and then roll off. I got the whole city, they about to go off. How many is with me up in India? How many people wanna roll on me now? Like you know me. Hard to see. We gotta hang on 
Doctor, maybe an actress, but nothing comes easy. It takes much practice. Like I met a woman who's becoming a star. She was very beautiful, leaving people in awe. Singing songs, Lena Horn, but the younger version hung with the wrong person. Got a strong on that. 
Sniffing up drugs all in the nose Could have died so young Now looks ugly and old No fun cause now when she reaches for hugs People hold their breath Cause she smells of corrosion and death Watch the company you keep And the crowd you bring Cause they came to do drugs And you came to sing So if you're gonna be the best I'ma tell you how Put your hand in the air And take the vow I know I can I know I can Be what I wanna be, be, what I wanna be. If I work hard at it I'll be where I wanna be Listen again, this is for grown looking girls who's only 10 The ones who watch videos and do what they see As cute as can be, up in the club with fake ID Careful, for you meet a man with HIV You can host a TV like Oprah Winfrey Whatever you decide, be careful, some men be Rapists, so act your age, don't pretend to be Older than you are, give yourself time to grow You're thinking he can give you wealth, but so young boys You can use a lot of help, you know You're thinking life's all about smoking Ice. You don't wanna be my agent, can't read and write Begging different women for a place to sleep at night Smart boys turn them in and do whatever they wish If you believe you can achieve, then say it like this I know I can, I know I can. Be, what I wanna be. be what I wanna be If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be Now go came to this country we were kings and queens never porch monkeys there was empires in africa called kush timbuktu where every race came to get books to learn from black teachers who taught greeks and romans asian arabs and gave them gold when gold was converted to money it all changed money then became empowerment for europeans the persian military invaded they heard about the gold the teachings and everything sacred africa was almost robbed naked slavery was money so they began making slave ships egypt was the place that Alexander the Great went. He wasn't shocked that the mountains were black faces. Shot up their nose to impose what basically still goes on today, you see. If the truth is told, the youth can grow. They'll learn to survive until they gain control. Nobody says you have to be gangsters. Read more, learn more, change the globe. Ghetto children, do your thing. Hold your head up, little man, you're a king. Young princess, when you get your wedding ring, your man is saying, she's my queen. I know I can be what I wanna be if I work hard at it. I'll be where I wanna be. I know I can be what I wanna be if I work hard at it. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music. They weren't ready, but God was. They didn't gave me a radio show. I'm worldwide. Hi, this is Jarvis Bowman, host of the Jarvis Bowman Show. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at The Jarvis Bowman Show and stay up to date on our live broadcast. We are WDRB Media, the voice of the community. 
Do you need exposure for your business, brand, or organization? If so, let the Jarvis Bowman Radio Show help you feel your need for more exposure, more business, and return on investment. Connect with me at thejarvisbowmanshow.com today. Aren't you guys ready for better hair texture and a plant-based formula that would keep your hair and hairstyles always in TikTok shape? Well, log on over to ProteinEssentials.com and click the link to have yours shipped today. Protein Luxury Hair Care for Men.